Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Fumble Podcast. Today we talk about lots of things including the Black Box Trophy, Ogres, the Small Man Interview and various other things to delight your ears for the day. Enjoy! This podcast is sponsored by tritexgames.co.uk Hello and welcome to Fumble Podcast number 32. I'm Throek. I have PC with me. Hello, everybody. And I've got Arrested Development as well. How are you doing, AD? Hey, everyone. Nice to be here. Yes. Good, good, good. So we'll start off as we always do. What have we been up to since the lad pod- last podcast? Oh, my goodness. I've just... I, I need to start drinking again, not stop. <laughs> um, yeah, so what have we been up to? Uh, AD, been up to much? Uh, I've been losing in the Water Bowl Double Elimination Tournament. Oh, that makes two of us. That's fantastic. You get to lose twice, which I undoubtedly <laughs> be doing. Yeah. Um, so what race did you take? I took Undead, you know, the power gamer's choice. Yes, of course. Of Ex- course. Except, you know, um, I've never got to terms with the response of the race, which is actually quite important. And I have a very bad habit of going all in and then taking all the casualties which is right. exactly what happened in my game where I stopped the touchdown, never got the defensive score, and started the second half with exactly six players, uh, despite having a roster of 12, and then failed to pick up and get reduced to five within the first <laughs> turn. <laughs> which, as undead, is a bit of a problem. Yeah. I See, I could have done that, because I played Narmas Undead with my Lizardmen, and I think I'd lost two sources by turn three or four. Which is, yeah. then your lizard men are down, aren't they? It's uh, yeah. lose a couple of sauruses and you're uh, you're biking uphill. I, I don't know. I'm not sure I've ever taken a saurus off pitch in a tabletop format, either online or in the real tabletop. Well, I've lost four in the whole game. Oh wow! And, um, yeah, but Nama's finish. I mean, this is this is what happens. Yeah, well, that's very true. Anything else you've been up to? I did play a few black box games. Ooh, cheeky. Cheeky. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to having do... a trophy run or God no, I had to do some practice games for the water <laughs> ball. <laughs> Pretend I remembered who to use on there, you know? Um right. and it turns out I don't. But right. uh that was Hit with the big stuff, carry with the quick stuff. Yeah, and get Off your opponents with the ones stuff. with block. And yeah. have your opponent laugh at you when you don't chain your goal into range and fail your go for it in the end zone. Yes, I did see that. Actually, I was watching when that happened. It was your only... You had re-rolls on board. It had been a very controlled half. It was your only go for it. You had to go for it once. You snaked it. And then the opponent laughed. Yeah. And he told Which... me I was, he told me I was due because I had made more than nine blocks in the first <laughs> half and hadn't you know, had a one in eighty one. Well, I made seven of them with block and I made yeah. eleven blocks in all the first half as undead. No, I thought it was a fantastically controlled and very limited risk performance as undead, where you completely mastered the field, but you left yourself that one go for it and when it failed. Yeah. Well, I, I mean very ungracious to laugh, let's put it that way. I mean, to be honest, I was I was annoyed at his attitude. 
Yeah. Well, I was more annoyed at myself after the game because I went back and looked at it later and I was like, I should not have been making that go for it. I could have no. chained the goal. And I actually had quite a lot of moves I was really not happy with at all. I didn't use the equity in the pitch. No, I thought you played within yourself. Very, very safe, but in somewhat over-safe at times. Yeah, but I mean, this is why I don't use Undead. <laughs> this is basically it. I don't feel comfortable with the race. I don't. I don't think I've ever really used any of the dead teams to full oh, I used I use Necro all the time. I mean, that's probably the race I think most people in Fumble would say I'm known for using mm. these days. I've played you against Necro, I think a couple of times at least. The famous uh, forgetting strength four and then <laughs> 1D power. I always remember this. <laughs> I always remember that. That's kind of ingrained into my brain. Yeah, the, a 1D Kaz, of course. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and yeah, it turned into a Kaz, didn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, of course I, it did. I've, I've said it before, famously, I, I think that 80s mums were right and that playing Dungeons and Dragons does change you. Uh, and my habitual advanced Dungeons and Dragons character was a paladin. And I really struggle to coach dead races and feel good about it. I remember you saying that before, yeah. Um, yeah. So whilst I can coach them, and I have coached them, and I've you know, won a few tournaments as Kemri and Undead and things, it just it never feels natural to me. I don't, I'm not comfortable doing it. It's weird. What about yeah, you then, PC? What have you been up to? Um, all sorts of just weird little bits and bobs. I Similarly, I've played the first round of the Water Bowl, and I managed to get through against some Elven Union with uh, Edril. Oh, Eldril okay. Sidewinder, um, which I found really challenging. That's a nice, strong, strong build. The first half gave me all sorts of trouble. Second half, luckily, I smashed them off the park, and that helped a bit. Because um, when there's only five L's left, it's much harder for them to stop you. Hmm. Um, but it was it was a very tight game against a, a player I'd not played before called THZ. Uh, I think he's come to practice some NAF stuff on, on Fumble. I think that's what he's largely about. Um and he was, yeah, he was very good despite his, his pre-game. I had a quick look at his stats and they weren't that great. But he really knew what he was doing and that was quite challenging. I've also been playing, uh, using some BB2 on Cyanide. Oh, okay. uh, K-Fogged has the TSD league yes, over there. Yeah. And I played my final um, qualifying round game there. And I've qualified for the playoffs. Very uh, with nice, three wins nice. and two draws. So that should get interesting next round. I should be hitting sure. some... Uh, you know, the first round, I have to say, most of the people I played weren't that great. Um, there were some, you know, some cyanide players, a couple of tabletop players, and one fumbler. I forget who it was, but they, well, they I think it was the one that let you win, wasn't it? Oh, it was so you, you, wasn't it? That's right, yeah, Mark. Yeah, I think you I let you win, so you could get into that qualifying and group. I, I beat you quite easily, as I recall. So, well, um, yeah, that's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see how we see how had, our stats will run when we get to the UKTC. You had some terrible, terrible dice. I did, but you know these things happen. It's blood bowl, isn't it? It's blood bowl. Um, so that that's gone quite nicely. I've been getting a few box games in. I've now reached the uh, the magic fifty mark, so nice. I'm halfway on nice. my my first run. I do think I'll probably try and get a second one in, though. Probably that'll do. Um, and so far, it's but that's been going really well. Um, I reached fifty. With 42 points, um, I've since had a draw with Goblins uh, on top of that. So I'm now at 51 games, 42.5 points, which, Very nice. which, is, which is really good. But where I am on the list, I'm one ahead of Strider 84. And then you look at his score and you think, yeah, okay, I'm rubbish then, aren't I? So <laughs> he's got the same number of points, but with 48 games. Mm. So, uh, and uh, yes, I think my Goblins, they haven't been protected. They're on 13 games, so they're, they're halfway, but... I think they're going to drag the score down even more. So, uh, plus, I think the higher reaches are harder to keep pointing well in. 
So I'm not sure I'm going to double that score, if you see what I mean. But it's it's a nice little start. I'm very pleased with how it's gone so far for the first half, particularly. Well, credit to you for taking two stunty races. Yes, yes. I mean, the little dwarfs have done very nicely, bless them. Um, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. currently rocking, I think, uh, I think 15 games, 15 points or something there. So that's that's quite nice. But obviously, there's a point and a half of bonus points in there. So yeah, um, of course, I have got a draw and a loss with the dwarves. But but I think 13 wins is a, is a lovely start. So I'm hoping to challenge for the racial lead there. And I think we're going to talk a bit more about racial leads later as well. Yeah. And then the other thing I've been doing is not Blood Bowl related, but I had three lovely days in Germany at the Christmas markets with my family and also seeing a German friend of ours who's just had a young baby, uh, Lorelei, who was beautiful. And, uh, and I, I sort of... While I was there, I felt the need to say goodbye to Europe because I feel like it was my goodbye Europe pre-Brexit tour of mm. Germany. So I was going around saying, isn't it nice to be European for this last possible time? Oh, there That's we are. Sad. Controversial. A little bit of politics. Politics, politics. Mm. Um, so, yeah, uh, I've, been, I've been bouncing around. What have you been up to? What have I been up to? Just bits and bobs. So... I've kind of had a bit of a break from playing. I've I've finished all my four by four games, right? So that's done. I'm, I won't, I'm not going to play the second, or the third season, whatever it is. It's just I've come out of all my leagues actually, apart from the TSD one, which I'm in with you. Yep. Um, other than that, I've been painting because I looked to my right where I keep all my painting stuff, and there was some grey lizards. And then when I booked the hotel for UKTC, I was like. Oh, that's like a nearly just a month away, really. Yep. Really could do with painting some lizards, so I've actually got a painted team. So I've been doing a bit of painting, uh, doing a bit of work on the light and the dark tournament, and that I think that's about it. I had a box game, but I've kind of just come away from playing a bit. You know when you play too much, don't you, sometimes? Yeah. And you just like, you end up in that, I'm just going to click buttons and go through the motions and tend not to think about your moves so much. Yep. Um, had a great game against Nama uh, in the uh, Water Bowl double elimination. Right. Uh, lost on purpose, of course, because trying trying to sub my, submarine my way up to the top. So. Well, me and AD were having a look at that the other night, weren't we, Graham? Um, because yeah, of the way were. fillers work... We think if you were in the very top section of the draw and lost early, you might have got through a round because of a filler, lost, and then got a second filler bonus in the losers tournament. Yeah. So it's quite possible to reach the end of the losers tournament having had two, possibly even three fillers push you along your way. Yeah, there is that. Um, I'm so not that one of those, unfortunately. I, I don't pretend to understand the maths. It makes my brain hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to say I'm a maths expert or anything, but I do think by looking at the water bowl double elim, if you're going to run a double elimination tournament, you need to really minimise the fillers. Yes. I mean, I think we worked out that even with three fillers, someone's going to get two fillers helping them. Um, The first person that gets a filler in the top loses and then gets a filler in the bottom. So they'll end up in sort of round three or four of the bottom draw, having lost one game. Yeah, it's it's not such a big deal in a bracket that's got mostly round one games without fillers. But if you look at the water bowl schedule, you'll notice that actually 75% of the first round is fillers. Yeah. And I'm not just saying this because I'm one of the people with the issue, but I've got about 
three extra games over somebody who got a filler in the first round and then lost the second round game. Well, I, I may well be draw, dropping into the loser's bracket fairly soon because next up it's me versus Strider, 84, and he's oh, coaching nice. dead. So that's going to be that's going to be a very tight game. My Amazons with Roxy against his fully tooled up undead. Um, that could be a classic for all time, or it could be over in three seconds. You just don't know. Yeah. We're going to get on to, actually, that's reminded me, I need to put that in. While we're on that subject, um, it's just reminded me that a conversation on a different platform, still a forum, and it comes up on Fumble as well, about how long it takes to actually take a turn. Ooh, yeah. What yeah, are, yeah. Well, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Because we may as well get into the meat of the show now. So yeah, we can start with this. How long? Well, we've got a four-minute timer. Yep. This isn't about using the timeout button, right? This is that. This is not what this is about. We need to push that to the side. This is about how long, realistically, should it take you to take a turn? A maximum of four minutes on, on fumble. fumble, because that's what's allowed for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. But when you're in tabletop, that's not always the case, is it? <sighs> Well, I mean, look, I mean, we have a variety of ways. Cyanide's sort of box equivalent, their cable vision trophy or whatever it's called, um, currently allows, I think, two minutes per turn. It is two minutes turn. Because all the dice rolling is done for you, you should be able to do the bits that's left to you in two minutes. Yeah, but that's got a caveat. Cyanide allows you two minutes per turn, but you've got 15-second timers for every decision, like a block dice, a push, whether it's stand firm, sidesteps, whatever. It's actually quite easy to get a five minute turn out of that if you really want to i believe yeah. um there's a former member of fumble dalibor who right. left fumble in around 2011 who was infamous in the early tourney scene in around 2009 or so for always using his time bank for his moves right. and then left fumble soon after the four minute turns were enacted right He's infamous in cyanide now for taking five minutes every turn. So using each of those little animation and graphical things to maximize his time. Yeah, yeah. You see, it's slightly the problem I've got when they made the change is to the more casual player like me that plays a tiny bit over there, but really not majorly. I'm not familiar enough with the interface, with all the little symbols, even with just the client to feel comfortable of getting it all done in two minutes. And I don't know how to use those ruthless exploits. Yeah, I mean, playing one chap and his time had run out, but because he was activating someone and moving them a single square each time, yeah, he seemed to have sort of endless amounts of time to do that, despite there it, being nothing left on his timer, which I don't understand. So, as long as you are making a move on cyanide, i.e., an actual physical move or making a block, you can keep going at zero seconds. So, if you've got really, really good micro reflexes, you can squeeze in about five moves, even with the timer on zero seconds. Yeah, I actually watched the Blitz Pit competition over the weekend, which, right. if you don't know, was a double elimination knockout tournament on cyanide, right? With one minute turns, uh, 16 invited people to play, and there was prize money for winning it, right. And it was very interesting to see how people manage their turns. You, For the actual rules pack of the competition, people favoured humans simply because you were allowed to stack skills and humans got a favourable package. Right. But the overall winning team in the end was Wood Elves, unsurprisingly. Yeah. But, there's, a, there's a surprise. Yeah, Wood Elves, Wood Elves with a mighty bow tackle war dancer. What were the chances? <laughs> but... <laughs> 
But the thing was, the winning coach had, in the end, he actually had to play one game in the losers bracket to make the grand final. And you could noticeably see over the course of the tournament, he managed his turns fantastically in the first few games in the winners bracket, which were played on the Saturday. And then on the Sunday, with the fact he had to play so many games in such a short amount of time because it's back-to-back-to-back with one-minute turns, his time management started to go down the toilet. And as a result, his gameplay began to struggle as well. And that's just tiredness. Yeah. Because, you know, a time constraint like that is absolute adversity. But the more interesting thing was on the Saturday, you could see for the first 20, 30 seconds each turn, thinking and then using the block timers using movement timers to just plan out the turn via an internal clock inside yourself how long you know you have to play and that ties in perfectly to this idea of how long does a turn take the answer is as long as you've timed yourself for a turn to take yeah absolutely now i i mean this is a live issue for me mark because i I, i'm going to a tabletop tournament this weekend um, and i went to one a couple of weekends ago and i've been noticing that no matter how long is allotted for the game be it two and a half hours two and a quarter hours my games tend to run quite up against the deadlines and one or two have even gone over and it's been worrying me and i I don't think of myself online as a particularly slow player although i i think i'm not super quick and if it gets very thinky then i might use the whole four minutes occasionally but I don't think of myself as super slow. And I've been flattering myself because, you know, confirmation bias, we always want to think we're the hero, that perhaps it's because I set up very challenging fields for my opponents to read. Um, You know, I'm I'm supposedly quite good positionally, and perhaps that means they've got more to think of. Certainly, I I notice a lot of my opponents spending a lot of time thinking before they do anything. Whereas when it's my turn, I'm usually instantly doing stuff. But I I was chatting to somebody wise about this. I think it was A.D., it was, actually. I just didn't want to give him a compliment. And he pointed <laughs> out that really things like rolling dice take much longer than we realize. You know, picking up the dice, putting them in the dice thing, giving them the lucky blow, re- you know, getting it around your head. Well, I just, right. I, d- I am going to just jump in there, though. There are people that do that to excess. And it's just like, roll the frigging dice. <laughs> just roll them. Just roll them. I, I used a dice cup at uh, Strangle Ball because you got one as a uh, loot which was lovely yep. really enjoyed it but what you don't need to do is put that put those dice in the dice cup and then shake them for 30 to 40 seconds you don't <laughs> need to do that you do that this not a thing it's just quick shake get them down let's move and then on. you need to blow on them and then you need to get your lucky person <laughs> to come over and touch them and then you shake them again and then you roll them that's yeah, ob- yeah, down yeah, through yeah. a dice tower that's obviously the only sane method Sorry, I interrupted you, but I yeah. No, I've, so, been, I've been considering how rude would it be for me to turn up with a chess clock and time a few games just to see is it me using the time or is it my opponent? But then I think that's such a dick thing to do that I'm I'm not sure I can just. Okay, it. well you could do that just by looking at your watch. I don't um, wear a watch, but I, I take the point. Yeah. Yeah, or just but the thing is with the TT tournaments, it, uh, the conversation we're having in that forum. I mean, there's a difference between online and tabletop in the sense that usually timers are used in tournaments just to keep everyone on time because it's yeah. not about it's 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 more than you as a single player or, or the opponent you're playing against. 
because you've got a whole field of other coaches that are waiting on you to finish so yes. they can then play their second game or get the results in whatever. It's much more selfish for me. I want to get finished with enough time to have a quick toilet break and maybe smoke a cigarette before I start the next game. So I'm, I'm not thinking about everybody else. But I take your point that the tournament has to be kept to time or else yeah. it goes crazy. And that's, that's the only time I've ever seen time is used. It's when it's getting towards the end and they've gone, right, let's get a timer out. Um, I think it was pretty good at the enough championships for that towards the end getting a, getting a couple of timers out for people that just yeah you need to play a, bit, a little bit faster now guys and the one i the other thing i've been thinking about so as well as is the is the slow gaming me or is it my opponent and obviously it's my opponent um is how much should you help someone on tabletop because and i think uh, i do worry this is going to upset some people i think this is why some tabletop players struggle when it comes to playing online is there's no take-backs. You can't put a dice on the pitch to work out where someone's going to go. You can't declare a blitz, then realise it's going to be two die against you, and then say, oh, well, I'm not doing that, I'm going to do something else. Which on tabletop happens a lot. Now, if I'm playing on tabletop and someone says, right, I'm going to declare a blitz using this person on that person, so I get two die and I go, no, it's one die. And they go, ah, oh, yes, okay, so I'm going to move this assist in first and then do it. Yeah. There's a little bit of leeway, isn't there? You don't get Yeah, that there is that leeway, and you don't get that online. So perhaps some players... And is it is it okay to be helping people to that degree? Because I had a, a, a game the other day on a tabletop where I declared a blitz, did it, and only when I hit the person did he go, now that's the one with sidestep, so I'm sidestepping here, and your second one, because it was a frenzy blitz, is therefore one die. And when he'd done several actions declared against me, I'd said, oh, no, that's not going to be what you think it is because of this and this. So where's the line between helping the opponent to understand what they're about to do? Or should you let them declare an action? And then when they say, so it's two die, you go, no, it's only one. And you've declared it. Therefore, you have to do it. I think there's, there's probably a moral question like there. someone you want to sit next to, does it? I think it's two questions, isn't it? How, how much do, does that person want to win? <laughs> and how much... There's a moral question there, isn't there? For me, it's very much, you know, if somebody did that to me, I'd probably give them a couple of chances and go, right, I'm not going to remind you again that that player is strength four, for example. Yeah, okay, so perhaps it is. It's a, it's a, maybe it's a warning and then stopping helping system. Perhaps I'm being too nice. But it depends, doesn't it? Because, you know, I, like, like the NAV Championship, when that, I mean, it was quality that that teacher had managed to bring. <laughs> Do you know what? I can't remember. Yeah. Seven or eight kids to the NAF Championships as an experience. If yeah. I was playing one of that, you've got to coach a little bit, haven't you, in terms of... You've got to. Like, yeah, you, do you know what I mean? But if somebody's been playing for years and they're quite clearly trying to game the system, yeah, then I'd probably have something to say. But I mean, I, I, you know, I confess I've done it myself. I've set up to do an action and the opponent said, ah, but it's going to be one die for this reason. And I've gone, oh, yes, so I'll bring this assist in first. Yeah, I think I've done so, it, but I think it's a gentleman's agreement in a sense, isn't it? Yeah, but how much do you end up actually coaching for your opponent? I don't know. I wouldn't like say, I wouldn't put in there because that's going to stop me getting too no, nice I mean, on that, your ball. No, that's clearly over the line, but... Yeah. There are times the I is, feel I've been helping the opponent more than the opponent <laughs> would perhaps realise. The thing is, on, table, on tabletop, you're using skill rings. Yeah. You've got your opponent's roster. You've got minute amount of. You've got time, but because you're rolling dice, because you're maybe make, looking at the table, moving your players, moving them back with a take back, thinking about where you're going to put your cage, so on, you've not really got that much time as compared to online. 
where you probably get every player labelled on fumble. You know exactly yeah. what he's got. On cyanide, you've got the skill icons, or if you're me, you've got textual icons because screw their skill icons. <laughs> and then after that, you don't have to roll any dice. If you're on cyanide, it tells you the percentage or the dice roll for absolutely yeah, everything you could ever want to do. You can click on your player and see his movement range. You can click on the opponent's player and see their movement range. You can even check whether it's a short pass or a quick pass yep. without passing the ball or even going into the range by looking at the circles around the player. Your hand is being held. You are being coached for anyway. On what? Fumble, we can also use the shift click to mark the pitch and check whether the player can get there or where your cage will be yes you can do all of this well and chris did build a version of the last client that was built he did build in all of that usability where you could see what every dodge was there were you know different colored rings showing you what tackle zones were where and things and everyone went oh don't help people that much where's the coaching now yeah exactly and i mean on tabletop if someone misses something and it is so blatantly obvious that it's it's just something they've missed then, yeah, I would just kind of point it out because, to be honest, you're sitting there for probably an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. Do you really want an honest mistake to sour the whole bloody game? No, I don't, and I want to win an honest game. But this brings me on to my final controversial point I've been thinking about. And again, I'm aware of confirmation bias and how we always remember the positives or the the negatives, not the positives, and things like that. But there have been mistakes made in tabletop games. Um, And I was thinking back to my last tournament. I remember we rolled weather at the start of the game. And hence my drive, I had to pick up in the rain. And that wasn't an issue, luckily. But several times I had to make rolls and we factored the rain in. I don't recall the weather ever changing on subsequent kickoffs. But I don't recall the rain also being a factor in anything on his drive. Like not even mentioned in the rolls. And I'm sure that we both just forgot. I'm sure it was an honest mistake. And it's made me think I need a weather marker as well as a, you know, who's got the fame marker and have I got an apoth marker and you name it. So I perhaps need something physical on the pitch to remind me of weather. That's what I'm taking as the learning from it. Yeah, when I, I think that. about little slips like that, because a couple of times people have been fielding the wrong number against me and things like that. Yeah, but I mean, come on. Three like... out of four of those slips seem to have favoured the opponent, not me. I've blocked my own body player on tabletop. <laughs> I've fouled my own player. I have done that. I mean, this is just... <clears throat> so mistakes do happen. Look, I absolutely get some of these are genuine mistakes. Almost certainly the weather one was. Almost certainly every one of them was. So am I misremembering that three out of four seem to favour the opponent? Or are sometimes, is there an opponent out there or two who just get a little advantage, realise it, and decide not to mention it? Well, I think you'll find in every walk of life there is someone who, when given an inch, will take a mile. But I don't think it's really fair to think everyone's going to do it. Well, I mean, yes, no specific accusations, but perhaps I'm a little too trusting at times. Mm. Well, listen, I think think we've kind of drifted onto something else from the original question. We've we've moved away from time. I mean, that's okay. 
let's face it, on when it comes to clocks on tabletop, the only time you should really, really ask for one is when you sit down and your opponent says, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Enzone on Fumble. <laughs> you ask for a You'd be like, nice to meet you. Thanks, Matt. Love to see you playing in physical life again. Uh, can I have a clock, please? Yeah. I think Instant. that would be the order of things I did there. But I think in terms of that, just to summarise the an-, an answer, not the answer, but an answer from my perspective, it all depends on what you play, whether you play TT. It depends whether you play TT tourneys or league. It depends whether you play on Fumble or Cyanide. It depends on how you play as a person now if you are taking more than five minutes every turn mm. that yeah but is there's a caveat to this as well i mean it also it depends also on the level of the player and the races being used if you're playing tabletop and you're playing at say the euro bowl for a nation yeah and it's an elf v elf game of any type of elf you frequently find in the first half and even up till about turn four in the second half each player taking five minutes per turn because they're really setting out feelers, leaving feints, a little bit of bait, and they have to get absolutely every position absolutely perfect. And this takes a lot of time. And then the game only speeds up when they get to the key moments, the critical moments where people have to push through and score because at that point, there's not really that many options and it's just about what's my maximum equity what's my best chance what's the what's the value of this move and that move and well, you're, you're you, can go, you can go and knit a small jumper while someone sets up for a one-turn touchdown sometimes yeah you can, i mean there are many stories of people taking 12 minutes to set up 30 minutes to do a one-turn touchdown <laughs> absolutely this, yeah this yeah is, it's not beyond the pale but i mean i mean i had an interesting one time find- the other but day, what, I came what, across... Sorry, go ahead, AD. I was going to say, what what you find, though, is people who play at the very, very top level on tabletop all the time, using particularly the Elvish races, have got an internal clock in their turns where they do not play the first half quickly, but they play the second half to finish within the set time for a tournament. Yeah. And thus, you can... I mean, you can do that quite easily on tabletop, like a machine just because you time yourself to do it but you can't translate that to an online format because you'll be consistently over four minutes or over two minutes as it is on cyanide quite a lot yeah and i have to say i, I mean i have once i timed out because i was grumpy that day i have timed out in a naff tournament on fumble ah, the grumpy timing out day and i i we did apologize it before well. the end of the, yeah before the end of the game i apologized for it and and it was all good and i shouldn't have done because he was newish to fumble but the other day i was playing a black box trophy game and i rolled into spartaco now spartaco is an incredible blood bowl coach uh, in any format he cares to coach in and he used to be a fumble player. We lost him to Blood Bowl 2, and now he's back playing the trophy, which is fantastic to see. He's, he's a quality player, and anyone rolling into him is going to have a tough, tough game. So knowing he was sort of fairly new at coming back, in about his third turn, he went well over the four minutes, and I didn't time him out. Now, against virtually anyone else, I would probably have timed them out. But as I hadn't given him any warning, I hadn't said it, you know, three and a half minutes, only 30 seconds left. I decided not to. So when then he did end his turn, I said, that's your one. Um, next time we hit the end of turn, I'll try and warn you, but I am likely to time you out. And then oh, fairly early into the second half, he did get to one that was four minutes. And he was losing using his last player as the four minutes hit, but hence I did hit the timeout. 
the second half was very, very tight. Um, and I did actually end up, I, th- I think I won that game where it was a draw. But um, I did one turn, hit the four minutes myself. Again, using my last player as the four minutes went. And he instantly pressed the button. <laughs> so we well, set I, it up. I gave him a warning and timed him out on his second time. He gave me no warning and timed me out on my first. That was a retaliation timeout. It did so was, wasn't it? You've set the precedent there. Absolutely. Oh, that's very reasonable of you the first time when I said I've let you go over the four minutes, but I'd also ask though What time of the day was this game at? Oh, I don't remember. Because I happen to know he plays at work a lot and he's on the phone doing translation work quite a lot. So that's quite that's why quite a lot of his turns do end up running either a bit over or See, this is just more evidence that you sneak into our rooms at night. <laughs> I do, yes. No, no, no I just... just monitoring every movement of every minute of every day of the top 100 Blood Bowl players on Earth. I don't know why I'd be watching your games then. Hey! <laughs> you get spare nice, time as well because nice. you set the system up. Okay, look, uh, we're going to move on because we've been talking about time a lot and in fact we've gone yes. over time talking about time. Fantastic. Well, Irony. press that button and time us out. Okay, bing. Now then. Uh, let's talk about Black Box Trophy and Christie's List. Oh, yes. Um, Christie. Now, if you don't know, uh, Coach Christie, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y, has created a meta group, which he's put some Black Box Trophy stats in, and everyone loves some pretty numbers. Uh, they're like flowers. They mean nothing, but they're nice to look at. Um, and they've got some fantastic stats there as to average score per race, uh, including adjusted average score, where he adds in the bonus you get for getting that, you know, using that team. Uh, there's average score for the top 20% of players playing a race, which might interest you. Uh, there's also the 80% not including them uh, to see what people that aren't elite are getting out of teams. I don't like the word Blood Bowl elite, but you know what I mean. Um, oui. So there's all sorts of ones. But the bit I find the most interesting is down the bottom... We have every single race available in the Black Box Trophy via their race icon. And if you click on it, you get a list of everyone playing that race, what their score is and what their average is. And it takes out the bonus points for how many games you've played. So it is literally how many scoring points you have for your number of games and then hence your average. And then the average leader, if they've played five games or more, is uh, coloured in green. So you can see who's leading it. And I've been having a look at those. And I have my rundown of the top five races that you, even if you've never played a black box trophy game, could be getting the racial lead on if you wanted. And there's a couple of, I think, a couple of really non-surprising ones there, and then a couple of massively surprising ones that I'm amazed are available at these low, low point values. So, in five, uh, we have Chaos. Now, Chaos Chosen, not Chaos Renegades. Chaos Renegades were dropped to two points. There's a lot of people doing some fantastic Chaos Renegade runs. Uh, The Chaos Renegade system is incredibly competitive out there. There's uh, a lot talking, chosen. Yeah, there's a the lot racial chosen. lead at the moment uh, is held by a, a, a no-name coach called Strider84. He's got 10 points out of 12 games, so he's averaging 0.83. And anything up in the 0.8s is usually pretty tasty. Um, but particularly with a team that isn't known for being a sort of dominant force, I think a 0.83 coaching is fantastic. But Chaos Chosen, you can be, you can get the race lead with Chaos Chosen for 
on average. Our current leader there is Nut Olivanes. Uh, he's got 14 and a half points out of all 25 games. So that's his finished score and his average is 0.58. So I think that's very attackable, but I don't think it's very surprising. And hence why number four won't surprise you either, because not only is it chaos, but number four is obviously Nurgle. Because Nurgle are available even cheaper. Nurgle, mm. you can get the current race lead at 0.057 on average. So literally a type point, you know, one hundredth less than Chaos. That's currently owned by Martin Septim, uh, and he's got four points out of seven games. So it's a really low number of games as well. There it is a guy that's Nurgle, finished Nurgle 25 games. is insanely difficult sometimes, though. Big Popper Ben has done all 25 games with his Chaos, and he's averaging 0.22. Um, there's a guy with 12 games. That's uh, Alex FR. He's averaging 0.54. And there's a guy with 11 games. He's averaging 0.41. So that's really attackable. If you can get... Friend of the show, Stoley. Games, yeah, if you can get... Stoley, yeah. If you can get two-thirds of the games done uh, and win, then you could be, definitely be the race leader with Chaos. In three. So we're getting into the big, big, big ones here. I'm going to pick a two-point race. Ooh. Now, I'm going to slightly cheat because it's a two-point race, so loads of people are piling into this race. And it's High Elves. Now, we recently had a, a pretty much a no-name coach called, I think, Throek, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. ruling the roost on High Elves, yeah, but having yeah, had a yeah, loss yeah. or two. Now, the racial lead is at 0 .08. Just one now, that's not bad. But that's for someone that's only played five games and got four points. So after that, you're looking at Cyrus Havoc with a 0.79 or Throwek with a 0.77. Um, those are good scores. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're very competitive. But no one's coaching in the 0.8s with more than five games played. And I think High Elves are a strong enough team that somebody could. So it, it's slightly different to my other ones in that the, the score is still quite high. Mm. But I think for a two-pointer, uh, I think that's attackable. I don't think anyone is really owning the High Elves just yeah. yet. I'd wait in that one though because you've got three coaches I can see immediately who are low games played, but I would reckon are going to post really good scores. And that would be Baki, Karnas, and Nikodaz. Nikodaz is actually a former World Cup tabletop champion. Mm. And Baki is very, very, very good. Yep. Well, I mean, there's lots of people coaching high elves that I think should be getting better scores. I mean, F13 has done his entire run of 25 games. That's a fantastic quality coach. He averaged 0.66. Um, so I just think, I think for one of the teams we expect to be able to get some cracking scores out of, there's no one dominating it just yet. That's that's where I'm. That's why yeah, I'm calling no, I'm that one you, in my top you. five. Yeah, we can see that. Now we're getting into the really interesting area. In at number two is Orcs. Ah. Now, Orcs, we do have two teams coaching 0 0.8, but both of them only have five games played. And they have four points from those five games. We've got three teams up in the 20s, and the highest there is a 0.68 with Wazza and his Rockland Rams on 20 games. And the Merker, again, a reasonable coach, very good coach at times, 25 games played, 16.5 points, averaging 0.66. Now, surely someone can take Orcs to a better than a two out of three record. Looking surely at that, point six is not going to stand. I've just seen something that needs admin attention. 
Ooh. Just okay. A, just a team name change, that's all. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, the thing about Orcs is, like, I think you'd really need to min-max them like hell with the, the way the current box is. Sure. And as an aside, if, if anyone's looking at Murker's teams, he does actually give a little... Um, in his bio, he gives a summary of his games. It's usually quite amusing, so I would recommend just looking at the bios of his teams if you want to see how he felt about most of his matches. Now, I'm going to give an honourable mention to Halflings. Um, there's a guy there on 0.58, uh, and one guy finished 25 games from Matthias on 0.52. So if you can get your Halflings well over basically 50%, that's a racial lead that's takeable. Goblins, of course, is similar. Uh, the highest there at the moment is only halfway to the end, and that's 0.59. Or Malmere's classic insults, who've finished on 25 games with 0.56. Now, I think that's really good for goblins, but I can't pretend that someone can't, in 25 games, get better than 0.56. It's doable. It's certainly possible. But really the number one spot by a million, million miles, and the inspiration for this is a little mini feature, is Wood Elves. Now, there are quite a lot. There's 18 mm. people declaring Wood Elves so far, of which four admittedly haven't played a game yet. Another five have only played one game. But the current average for Wood Elves, over 13 games, is held by uh, Tamitis with 0.58. Wood Elves at 0.58. Yeah, you'd think it Surely would be someone could coach them higher than that. You'd think it would be higher. Yeah, well, you would, you'd think, but I think they're a terrible meta choice trophy and i think Tometis's score actually shows that because he's he's well known for running elves he ran pro elves and high elves the whole way through crp and always returned really good scores with them and he used he brought wood elves because he wanted to run elves but not ones he'd used before and yep. he lost war dancers early right and you know that's that that's it, yeah, really. That, that's going to hamper you. Yeah. Now, I mean, Necro are out there. They're very attackable. They're scored two. No one's really setting the world alight on Camry. I mean, there's a team on eight games that's got a point eight average, but nothing much with teams that have played a lot more games than that. There are other races out there. But to me, I think those five are very attackable. Definitely, there are some racial leads that are still there to be grabbed, is, is I guess, my point. Um, there's some that I just don't think are. I'm not sure anyone is going to outcoach Malmere's 0.84 from Underworld with all 25 games played. He didn't lose a game. He won 17 and drew 8 with Underworld. No one's touching that for my money. I think that's unassailable. Um, I also it's think there's a, good. there's a Norse score by Lautre Hamel. With 25 games, he's averaged 0.9. So I'm not sure Norse is still available. I think that's going to go. Um, uh, so there's there's some teams that are a there's lot still, left. Yeah, there's still plenty up for grabs. But when we're looking at that list, um, and you're looking at there's a couple more people now that have finished their first mm. run. So we've got Malmere's on his second. We've got a couple of others, and we've got Smallman as well. Yeah, so Smallman who obviously was on the show last week. Oh, I think we probably need to uh, talk a tiny bit about that. But yes, well, Smallman is currently in second position for his finished yeah. run and in 10th position for his second run with 70 games played for 54.5 points. 
Um, so that's two cracking runs he's put together. There's no denying yeah, that. You can't, you can't deny it. You can't deny it. So while we're talking about the man himself, small man, we did a podcast. Didn't we, we did a podcast last <laughs> last time. Yes, which was as I, I mean, I've just kind of resurfaced from all the hate mail that uh, I had uh, about it, but I still stand by the fact that we interviewed him. Absolutely right. I I stand by every decision we took. I Definitely. also think... Uh, look, I do take the point. People said we didn't directly ask him, you've been accused that small cost was used and formulated to drive newer coaches yes, away by enough. ruthlessly smiting their teams. That's fair enough. And yes, we didn't ask him that direct question. I do admit that. And perhaps that's the one question I would ask if we could go back in time. Yeah. But he yeah. did answer it on the forums. Did, Unfortunately, yeah. what he yeah. basically said was, if I've broken a pixel-hugging coach away from Blood Bowl, then good riddance. So, it was very much a, screw you guys, I'm going home. Yeah, screw you guys, I'm going home. Yeah. Um, so look, <coughs> yes, I think we could have asked him that question. But on the other hand, what we tried to do was to be really in-depth, talk about what he's good at, what he's thought about, what he thinks, how much does he feel part of the community, all of that sort of stuff, which I feel I felt went all around those areas, and then I do think we were quite confrontational over how he's thought of. Yeah, that I think so. So um, I felt you can't just bring somebody on and throw stones at them. That's never going to be the point of an interview of any kind, surely. Yeah, and we and, and the other thing was it wasn't about us doing it to be controversial. We, you no. know, I find it very much that Smallman is a very interesting person to talk to in terms of. His, well, his, his history that. on the site, really. I also think of the sort of of the big names that you would think about. I don't like the term big names. People resent that he's a big name for some reason. But of, if you associated, if you drew up a list of, say, the, the 30 people that are the most active in terms of games played, even on Fumble, his name's going to crop up, let alone who's coaching in what way, who's doing interesting tactics. And yet he's someone we've never really heard a lot from, partly because of how he's viewed, partly because he's never really seems to want to be part of the community and also and the when, moment, when he does, he does speak seem up to want that more so i'm i'm fully in favor yeah. and i want to get to and when he does speak up on the forums stuff. he's usually shot down pretty quick yes he is again so, because the baggage that comes with him means that yeah. no matter what he's saying people view it through a certain lens yeah I mean, and i just I, thought how interesting to talk to someone who does so much on fumble whether you like it or not he does do stuff on fumble and find out what he thinks, because we, yeah. we, in a lot of areas, we really didn't know. Now, AD, you weren't really part of that interview, because we did it a bit off the cuff, really. Um, list, did you listen to it? No, I didn't. Yeah, of course I listened to it. <laughs> <laughs> what were your thoughts on it? I, I thought it was very interesting. Um, I mean, of course it was interesting. I actually would want to hear from Small Man, despite what many of the site may have thought. I've spoken to him actually for at least four hours one night when we used to have black box chat right oh yeah so yeah. in some ways i had a bit of an insight into what makes him tick before a lot of other people might have and i actually think he was a really good guest for a very simple reason in that nobody ever tries to engage with him yeah and people always say oh all he ever posts is outright hostility and yet the thing is, all he ever gets is outright hostility. Yeah. Yes. Though I think some of that is deserved. Uh, I think people, is lots it? of people, he has caused a lot of 
ill feeling by his coaching choices. Now, I would defend his right to have those coaching choices. No, no, no. Hang on a minute, right? Here's the thing. And this is something you can, and anybody can find out the same way I did. You can read the forums, and you can find out that this crap that small man is responsible solely for the black box scheduler being changed, and that small man was the only min-maxer, is precisely what I just called it. Crap. Are I we can, declaring that an urban myth? A fumble I, myth? I can ring off at least 16 coaches, past or present. Do it, do it, do it. No, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm joking. Of course I wouldn't get you to do that. I'm yeah, really going to put my do Tell me afterwards. Mm-hmm. Past and present, who did exactly what Small Man did before the schedule change, and on some, and I mean, some of them had their account shut by shadow, incidentally, for abusing the journeyman rule at the same time. Yes. Okay. And you know, Small Man actually, funnily enough, didn't min max at first. If you check the past games of Small Cosp, you will find out he did, as he said try to make them big. He was running 2 million packed in CRP with the 15% box matching scheduler up until a game he played against Dark Elves coached by a very, very good coach and esteemed member of the site at the time who called his team min-max despite the fact to all intents and purposes they actually weren't. Right. And afterwards his attitude was well, if you're going to call me (laughs) min-max... I'll show you what Min Max is. But but the thing is, he was not he was far from the only person. The old black box scheduler was a hive den of villainy. Everybody knows that. Yes. And you entered it at your own risk. Well, I mean, you say no one engaged with small man. I'm not sure that's entirely true. I remember no, a game several years ago where we, me and him chatted throughout the game. I mean and in general. He can play a bit complain a bit about how he was viewed. And I laid yeah. out for him because we've seen other people rehabilitate their their sort of people's view of them on fumble. And I laid out for him some things he could do, some simple changes. And I do feel he's actually, I, I'm not taking any credit at all, I do feel that's more or less what he's doing now. I mean, things like engaging with the trophy, things like posting on the forums, things like making sure he's in majors, uh, and things like coaching yeah. teams that aren't small cost the whole time, even if he wants to coach them a lot. Yeah, but the thing is, okay, first of all, Smallman actually always did enter his Dark Elves and Majors. Yep. He did. And he's been doing that for years. No one's ever really done anything apart from say, oh Christ, I've got to play two hours against Smallman when they get him in a draw. Then when it comes to playing other teams, he didn't, and you can again find this on the forums, he did not play other teams because he felt piling on meant he could not play his Rats yep. or his Norse which he enjoys yep. playing, yeah. and meant the elves were just a no-go in the box. And when yeah, piling I, on... When I piling disagree on, with those decisions, but I do believe he took them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I think that's complete and utter nonsense, but that is his view, and you can see it by what he did. And when piling on was removed, he did actually play his other races for a short while. Yes. So yeah, yeah, we he actually does back up what he said. I also do believe, I think it's an impossible dream, but I do believe if he ever got an ogre on small cost, an ogre with strength six and tentacles, a troll with strength six and tentacles, two claw, mighty blow, tackle killers, and a legend dark elf, I think if he had those five basic pieces, then he would grow a big team up around them. 
Oh no, I've got no doubts he would. He said he, the thing about small man is this, right? And I think it's one thing a lot of people have trouble believing, but I absolutely believe it's true. He doesn't lie. He um has he plays very, very much on the line. But he's a stickler for rules. Even I mean I did know yeah. I did notice quite a few people came up and pulled back the thing that he'd spent money on inducements. <clears throat> up to a million in some games. Yeah. But at the time, that was the rules. Yeah. And that that I mean, that is what small man does. He plays the rules. And this is something if you speak to people who actually are competitive about Blood Bowl and are not if not against metagaming, they will tell you all the same thing. Well, look, I've said this before to him, so I'm going to say it publicly. Pete W., a legendary coach, fantastic Blood Bowl player. When I was administrating tournaments, every line you draw, I think of as a pencil line. And as graphite, it means it's going to be thicker in the middle and towards the edges of the line, that line's going to thin out. If you've got a microscope at the very edge of the line, there's some little atoms of graphite and some bits of paper. Pete W. will pick the last atom, the furthest out from the yeah. central point of the line, without going 100% off onto just white paper. And that's where he games. Right yeah. up at the very edge of the rules. He is a munchkin, and he will do anything to win. Yeah, and the and thing that's is... not unique to him. It's, it's, it's the competitive oh, mindset. That's the competitive mindset. And if you speak to anybody like in that like-minded terms, you will find them tell you that if you want to play Chaos Pact in a TV matchmaking division... Small cosp is the model. Perhaps with yeah. an extra re-roll because that gives you a little bit more leeway. But yes, zero I'd to have one, one re-roll and a leader. But yeah, and the thing is, and this brings me back to this idea that small man is the only one. If you happen to take a gander at the top CR in black box for Chaos Pact, you will find in the top ten to fifteen, or at least you would have up until the black box trophy. You would have found Small Man up there. You would have found Wreckage up there. And you would have found myself near the top. And of the and the thing is, you would have Wreckage and myself not using zero to one reroll builds. And everybody else around us was was min max packed. Yeah. And some of the top still are. And, and it's very effective. And no, at 70k rerolls, I mean, small man has a point. That's expensive for a no, reroll. And my think, point, really my point is quite simple here. People don't like small man because he ran one team to their view, and it was a brutal, murderous team that destroyed many, many games for many people. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, we were told from the beginning, black boxes where teams go to die. Yes. And He's just playing the meta. The other thing is, and the other thing is, you have to realize when you get annoyed at small man's team build, it is because you have got your own morals and ethics which say, I wouldn't do this. And you're then projecting them on and saying, nobody else should do this. Come on, though. I mean, aren't you now guilty of giving him the same free part, saying, as long as it's within, do it? And I think what people are countering and saying is, Yes, but should he? Is it good for the community? Is it good for Blood Bowl? Is it good for the other human who's got to spend an hour and a half whilst you ruthlessly smush them? Uh, Is that something that... Should we care about that in how we game? 
the thing is, if we, be, if we do care the about it, no. if, we do, if we do care about it, change the scheduler rules or change right. the rules of the site, house rule it. Uh, the fact of the matter is, the way Blood Bowl rules have changed since Blood Bowl 2016, maybe Smallman's way of building teams wouldn't be that divergent. Mm. And also, if we do get seasons in, it's going to be really interesting how people deal with that. You know, a meta over however many games. Yeah. These yeah. very effective low teams that will be easy to then keep on the spin and replace parts of as you go roll through the seasons is probably where the game's going to end up. Yeah. But well, I mean, the thing is, the way I see it is a lot of the annoyance, effectively, entitlement that we should enjoy our game we should have a good time we should have SPP we should be able to do things and he takes that away from us when we spin into him with a rookie team yeah but but the truth is you should just be looking for a game no matter how horrible it is and also small cops is retired so well yeah, no, this, not officially retired it's not, it's not retired, no, it's not retired. Not. Apologies. It is not, he's it's not, not playing retired. them this is this is this is false advertising. He it stole is. my call, team name. I call bullshit on that. No, he stole my team name. If you look in my homepage, you will see Small Cosp is still very much active. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's yes, good to hear your thoughts. You have on a that, little habit of, of finding someone doing something effective with a race, naming it slightly to take the piss out of them, and then doing exactly the same thing yourself and seeing how it works. <laughs> yeah. it oh, is, thoughts, is someone though? offended because I've killed his high elves? <laughs> if I, I didn't kill a bloody one. <laughs> was so, it dramatic? We'll it move was on. We'll move on. Failure. We'll move, we'll move on. on. So it's much been, more to talk about. Yeah, it's been good to uh, hear your thoughts on that idea because obviously we did it without you. Um, but anyway, uh, we've got the Fumble Cup final. We do. Which is some extraordinary vamps. Yes. Uh, versus Cedasax Nurgle. Um so yeah, what do we think? What do we think? Who's the who's who's in it to win it? Vampire's going to win. Yes. I I wish Cedas like all the best because he was one of the really talked to me in the site and welcomed me into stuff. And he's always been very, very, very active behind the scenes. He's an absolutely fantastic guy. Cedas like, is one of my, uh, or I would say, closest acquaintances on here. We're in a group together and. Uh, I certainly know he's been looking into how he can spend his inducements. Yeah, he's he's a lovely, lovely guy. He's involved in... He plays tons of tournaments. I mean, even now he does, and he's toned down how much he plays. And yeah. But I think he, he's, he's been playing some tabletop as well. I think there was... I think Did he play for Team Greece? Possibly? Oh, I, I actually don't know. I think Jesus. he did. I think he, he did. Yes, I know something AD doesn't know. Yes! <laughs> At last... He's but outside anyway. of his worldwide network somehow. <laughs> There's a drone down in southern Europe. Um, that satellite hasn't sent a signal for weeks. Anyway, Look, yeah, so really back to the Fumble Cup. I thought what was really interesting was that for once, uh, and they even said it on the match reports, for once we had two huge Nurgles roll into each other in the semi-final and just kick lumps out of each other. Yeah, it was great. Um, which was great. It was fantastic. It was absolutely what everyone wanted to see, uh, those of us that were there to see it. And it was brutal. I mean, just brutal. I, so, thought, I thought the funniest thing of it was it was brutal despite the fact for the first six turns neither of them wanted to take any damage and it showed by the way they played. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, as always, it was like watching two heavyweights spend three rounds just looking at each other without really doing much, wasn't it? Yeah, but jab, jab, jab. Came up against Nuffle embraces the foul, uh, and weirdly, uh, Nuffle embraces the foul did not foul throughout the game. That stinks. Only threw three fouls, uh, but we had forty-two blocks versus forty-four blocks, and it produced uh, a missing, a minus movement, and a death on one side. A niggle, two missings, and a minus AV on the other. So they both just messed each other up, um, which is beautiful. That's that's what you want to see. Especially so there are a, two big bash teams. Yeah. Yeah. So there are there are bloater down um, for the for the final. Uh, one of their better bloaters, Andy's niggled. Um, they've lost their best Pestigore, the Juggernaut Claw hitter, uh, that was a legend. That's out. Uh, and they've also lost a dirty player out. So they are, they're down to 12. They've got 60K in the bank. So that's, I mean, they could get, you know, one more rotter. They could be up to 13 people. Uh, and they're at a very, very trim uh, 2,000 team value right now. Whereas, unfortunately, the um, the vampires are just looking so dominant. And obviously, it's yeah. a game of Blood Bowl. They could lose, but they're not going to, are they? It's uh, it's one of those moments when you look at uh, Relizite's team and you think, he's got three vampires that make Deepog look like a journeyman. Yeah. And, I mean, he really does. he's actually been cycling vampires for stats. If you check his past players, and I, right. actually, I actually ask them because... Right. You know, like, have you actually been doing this? Because it boggles the mind anyone would even do this with a vampire. Because even if you get all normals, they're actually still good players. Yes, they are. But, yeah, he's been cycling vampires for stats. And Interesting, what, what isn't useful on them is doubles. Yeah, he's. but I mean, not only has he cycled vampires for stats, but the last one he cycled ruled double strength, double movement. <sighs> yeah, I mean, they are absurd. So he currently uses six vampires, of which one is more or less a rookie, Wrestle and Dog. So it's in the developing pool. Then the next one up is only on 77 SPP, but that's the one that's double strength, block, and double movement. So it's move eight, strength six, agility four, AV eight. I mean, that can just do whatever it wants to you. Uh, and then above that, he's got three genuine... Uh, he's got another one, sorry, that's um, is blodge, pro, and double move. So he's got another move eight that can back it up. And then he's got the three three real legends, one of which is double agility, double strength. So it's strength six, agility six. Yeah, another buddy. one of which is a blodge sidestepping guard with plus strength and plus movement. And then a blodge tackle pro with plus movement and plus strength. So he's got two strength five, two strength six, one of which is agility six, He's got two movement eight, two movement seven, and it's. I mean, I just. What do you? How do you? How do you face that? What do you do? Well, what I would do is spend the first two minutes trying to break his mental psyche by pointing out he took mighty blow in a double strength, double agility vampire. <laughs> well, to be fair, he took it when it was only plus. He yeah, had block plus strength, and he guess he didn't have a proper hitter, so he no, got. He... It was block, yeah, block plus strength, mighty blow, and as you, if you can look in the bio, you will see the word regret. Right. Because almost anything would, would dovetail with that double strength, double agility better than mighty blow does, surely. 
And vampires do not need Mighty Blow. In fact, vampires should not take Mighty Blow. Take Dirty Player on your thralls. You what do not need a vampire to make removals. Uh, really? It's a... Don't you want one nice hitty vampire to no, get it's a, carry it's, on? A, it's a terrible use of equity. But you've got to hit ball carriers. You need one with tackle, and if you've got tackle, why not hit with Mighty Blow as well? No, I disagree entirely. I mean, do you wrestle them down? How, literally just for dealing with the person how, holding the ball. How are you taking it off him then? You've got hypnogaze and you've got tackle and a vampire. You don't need Mighty okay. Blow. Thing. You can right. foul after it if you absolutely must. Yeah. And then, of course, Relazite with his 2,670k team has 16 players, but the other 10 are all thralls. And there, there's one wrestle, there's a block plus agility, and a kick dirty player, and the rest are all rookies. Yeah. Um, That's the MVP in action. Can any of the three of us pretend that there's any reason to have other than rookie thralls? Yes. Yes. Okay. I do believe you should have at least one wrestle tackle. Uh, probably, right. a frenzy, probably a frenzy thrall as well, because you don't really want it in a vamp. Um, okay. Uh, you do want a DP, maybe even two. And obviously you want a kicker. And I would prefer to have my kicker not being my dirty player. I, I can see that. And I wouldn't uh, mind the leader throw. Okay, but that's a double. I would also prefer guard on my throws rather than my vamps. Wow, so you're, you could... I mean, with that, you could develop all ten uh, and have some skills across all of them. Is that really the way? I mean, because throws are just not going to stay. You could, but the thing is... I'm talking fumble specific here right. because right now you're not going to get a wizard against yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. We're just about to lose cards. So it's the age of fat, isn't it? You yes, because we lose cards, don't we, after the fumble cup? Yeah, we're going to have to get used to using mercenaries and I mean, stars. At let's least face some it. good stars around, unless you're dwarves. Let's face it, you're, you, the things you're going to get against you don't really hurt you that much as vampires. No. And no well, I mean, I think the age of fat has really helped them said this briefly didn't i at the start of the last one i've been thinking yeah. about vampires and their dominance and i think the age of fat means they can just max up with the thralls and hence they're not in trouble yeah because you and can't it, run them out of thralls and the other thing is your your weakness with the thralls is the fact that you're fielding hobgoblins so if you give them any skills and you even cycle them for doubles and whatnot then they're no longer hobgoblins yeah and on top of that the only inducement Relizite actually needs to fear is a halfling master chef in an overtime game. Yes. And if you yeah, check yeah. his team sheet and look how many rerolls he's got, you'll see it's probably not going to be a problem. It's six. So with so a even, bit of even if the chef is successful, he's still got three left. Yeah, and I mean the I point is again, he's got the thralls that he can he can eat them, and it's not necessarily the end of the world because the thralls aren't doing anything for him usually. It's the six vamps that get the job done. I would also check how much he's got in his treasury because I'd be surprised if that stays at six. Yeah, he's got twenty. He's got uh, two hundred twenty thousand. So although it's it's ready, it's ready for the final. So okay, so he hasn't. Yet. He could have went to seven quite easily. So Just you're saying that uh, that that Nurgle team at two thousand should be investing three hundred k in a chef? <laughs> that's the question. Um, if he had Don't an entire because that's coaching. <laughs> it's a massive if, risk, isn't it? If he had an intact team, I would consider it simply because it's an overtime game. Because he's missing the bloater and the pestigores, I don't think it's an option. 
No, he needs well, he needs to man up. He needs to uh, get a, a couple of star players, possibly. Uh, look, I would be looking at one star player and a chef. I don't think he needs anything. Else. I think he needs a tool against the vampires, and robbing them of rerolls is the best one. Now, knowing Cedarsak and knowing what he's thinking, obviously, I can't. No, don't relinquish any of that. However, I do know that there are a ton of workable options. I bet. A ton of workable options, and there's not any that you can go. Yep, that's the most effective. <laughs> this no, just I not. Bet. But again, not. that's the availability of some very nice stars, and the cards are still around. And there's all sorts of things you could do with some cards there that would be handy. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Right, actually, we need, we need to get a move on because we have been we already been talking for an hour, over an hour. Wow. So we uh, we've got a bit of. Well, what should we go? Let's get on to ogres quickly. Oh no, very quickly. Very quickly, um, if you ha if you don't know, uh, because you're not on Discord, but Krista has been working on a new client. Yes. Um, using Unity. Mm. And he put a very quick teaser out today on what it looks like. And it looks really nice. It looks bigger. Uh, icons are the same. Uh, different dugouts but it looks like a really nice work in progress have you yeah, seen it i have i've had a quick glimpse of it i'm not sure i've seen the very latest one i think i might have seen the one before that from what you've just described um I, look i don't know he still is talking about possibly these um resizable images for players which we could then add body parts on and color them differently yeah. and things i thought that was really exciting but it didn't seem to go down well with the community the important thing to me is we've got an excited krista um, yes, and I have. love seeing an excited Krista. Uh, and not just over our private webcam chats. Um, <laughs> because when he's excited, he does things for Fumble. When he's got the wind up, when he really feels something. And the Unity project seems to have caught the wind in his sails. So that's fantastic. And to be fair... I, I, love, not... I love that he builds things for me that I could never hope yeah. to get otherwise. And just so, a shout out to the team behind it, really. Because we know it's not just Krista at the minute. Krista is sure. obviously heading it up. But there's Candlejack. And there is Sizebirth Adam, and there is Stowley, I think, and probably other people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who are basically just giving it large, basically. Yeah, there's all sorts of action over there. And it's leaping forwards. It is. I mean, I think it's already in as good a state as the Phaser app, the one that he was messing with before ever got to. Yeah, and just to clarify, um, that is now dead, if you did not know that. Yeah, so if you've got a link to that, delete it or whatever. And this one looks really exciting. Who knows when, if ever, we'll get it, but it, it should do all the things he wants, you know, be full screen, be future-proofed, and allow us to, to bring all sorts of fun things to Fumble yeah, uh, and just be much more up-to-date while still being really easy and user-friendly. And I did do a quick bit of Googling on Unity, and it seems that's a really good idea from what I can see. Yeah, it looks good. It looks good, which means um, we wouldn't have to download um, Java. And certainly the age of being able to spectate games on tablets and phones may mm. well be soon upon us. That would be great. That would be great. Which would be really interesting. Yeah. So just talk to us quickly then about the new release of Ogres coming very imminently. Um, you were yeah, right. What have you all seen of this? Yes, I was right. Da, 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 da. So yes, we get a kick kicking Ogre. Kick team, yep. mate. Well, we don't know. Does it mean all Ogres now get kick teammate and lose throw teammate? Or do the we way have it was worded seems to be there's going to be a positional called a kicker. It does say certain ogres, if they reach a certain standard, can be kickers. 
So it looks like it might be a new positional. Possibly. And we've also seen In the female case, ogres as well. Might you be able to run, hand off, pick that person up, throw them, for them to then run somewhere else, and then another ogre kick them? We don't know, do we? Because, I mean, it's... It's got to because I think the kick is takes a blitz movement, doesn't it? It takes the blitz movement. So does yeah. that leave the throw movement available? Firstly, to throw the ball as well in the same turn, and secondly, possibly to throw teammate in the same turn. It should uh, do if I it's mean, anything knows? like cracking crumbleberries. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's your blueprint there, isn't it? But also, it could be that all ogres are going to lose throw teammate. And get we just don't know. Back. We'll find we out know. this weekend. But I like to speculate. And tomorrow, I have a feeling that tomorrow there's an ogre release. Um, tomorrow, so possibly within 24 hours of this very speculation. Well, it I is want at to... 4 p.m. on Twitch on the Games Workshop Brilliant. Twitch channel. I'll Brilliant. be working, so, which is a shame. But we will know. We will know. But I want to speculate. What is it? Slave giants or slave ogres? Slave giants. Slave giants. Right. Yeah. So. It oh, by says, the way, we also know that as well as four ogres and uh, 12 runts in the original pack, there's going to be a blister from Forge World with two female, female ogres. ogres. Yeah, that looks good. That and looks one good. more runt. Yeah, probably uh, based, one of the, yeah. priced around £80. Yes, and available in seven years. Yes. So, I just want to speculate about slave giants, because I was yeah. thinking, well, if I had the choice, what would it be? Now, it says it's available for every race. It does. Therefore, I just for every team. Every team, sorry, every team. Which could technically that could still, with the strange wording sometimes of Games Workshop, end up meaning every ogre team. But I think just about everyone has interpreted it as giant slaves for all. Yeah. No. Which is probably what it means. I can't see that being a tabled piece. So a rostered piece. I can't see that happening. Okay. Right. So, a couple of reasons for that. B, A, let's start with A. Why do we start with B? A, size-wise, how are you going to fit it on a board? <laughs> right? B, I just, it just strikes me as like, a, you know, the crap wizard every team could get, which I actually love. I think it's really funny. So, this is where I think it's going to fit in. This is how I would. So, this is my speculation. Slave Giant is induced for however much money. Okay, and once during the game, or maybe once per half, deciding, the Slave Giant can drop a rock onto the pitch, right, from a height. But sidelines only, so you know your three squares each side. Yep. So from the side of the pitch, effectively. So like the old lightning strike that could only come in from an edge. Yes. A little bit like that. Now, whether it's just, uh, it could be, you know, you still have to roll a one bonehead and it's not effective. Do you know what I mean? I don't know how the mechanics would work, but that's, I, that's my okay, speculation. Shall I, I tell you my speculation, yeah, my bid? On. Just as random and left field. I think we are going to see giants on the field. And I, I'm speculating wildly that it might be done the way Thrud the Barbarian used to be done. In that it's hired for the game or agreed by both sides and then a dice is rolled for which team it sets up for for the first drive and at the end of each drive it's confused 
and you roll another dice and it's 50-50 which side it lines up yeah. for in the sec- in the next drive. And that used to be the rules for a star player called Thrud the Barbarian. It did. I mean, if, if Games Workshop were to want to give something back to fans, bringing, bringing Thrud back, yeah, but would if if it was called a slave giant, would people be as happy knowing no, that? No, really but I meant, I meant what I meant was actually bringing Thrud back. So right, not not yeah. the slave giant, but in any form, you mean? No, as Thrud. Right. Um, but I don't, yeah, I get that. I get that. I just can't see it being. I just I'm looking forward to finding out. But I do well, I think mean, it's like a drop a, drop a rock. So a what bit like a wizard. Would it be if it was on the pitch? I mean, strength seven we have for death rollers and ball and chains. Nothing above that. What a deep root strength seven as well, isn't he? Yes, yeah, okay, so those three. Um, um, and six, obviously, is a treeman, five, a big guy. A giant would have to be more than five. Wouldn't you see a giant as more than six? Could we no, see a strength would, eight piece? I'd see a giant as strength six, but with more movement. Right. So m- movement four, probably strength six, or movement three, strength I think that's probably but around how, what you're going to see. AB9, thick skull. I mean, oh. How would you fit it in if it was every race? How, Do you think how... it's going to be an inducement, a star? AD? Um, well, I, I mean, I'm just thinking if he is an inducement, what I would give is that I would make him very expensive, but I would make him cheaper for ogres. Right. The same, the same way you see like the halfling chef being expensive for everyone. Right. Which, and, and bribes for goblins and things like yeah. that. Yeah, but the, I mean, the thing, to be honest... Um, I'm not really very enamoured by the ogre roaster in the slightest. I've never despite, been an ogre fan, and we know despite, PC isn't. Despite the best efforts of Strider to tell me they're the be- best race in the game, <laughs> um, but the only reason I think they're not that good is because I'm not ready for them yet. Look, I think I've always thought that halflings are the, the hipster min-max choice. The people I know that are really good with halflings are just super evil with them, pick like crazy, but get fantastic results. And with Halflings, I'm not criticizing any of that. I think Ogres are sort of another level. They're the ultimate hipster team. They're terrible. So what better way to prove you're a god at Blood Bowl than to coach them fantastically? True, true, true. Yeah, um, the Swiss seem to be good at it. Yes. Well, and so's Malmir. He's doing an incredible Ogre run in the second Black Box Trophy run. Um, well, so well, perhaps it's the we'll ultimate do. hipster team. It's the ultimate. This team is terrible. If you can do anything with it, you're clearly godlike. Well, we'll, we'll, do. we'll keep we'll keep an eye on what's going on. We'll keep still an eye on the forums and stuff I tomorrow. Still won't be coaching them. <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll reconvene tomorrow on the Fumble Podcast Discord channel. Yes. Yeah. And we will talk about it then. Yeah. Tell us what you think of the ogres because we'll know tomorrow. So um, yeah, come and join us like in the chat. Do you like? Chat. The direction Games Workshop are taking them in, because certainly we know for certain there's going to be a change. That the yeah. kicking runts, noblars, snotlings, whatever you want to call them, that kicking them is going to be a thing. So, I mean, I've looked at the kicking rules. They're so complex. I can't 100% work out if I think it's going to be better or worse than throwing a teammate. But it's certainly going to be different. Yeah, I can't work that either. Anyway, right, we've got to finish off soon because we are running over time. We've got a competition to... Uh, decide well we've decided so if you remember the last competition um i we asked you to send in voice messages on uh, anchor and you can appear on the show so that's what we're going to do now so the idea is i'm going to play some we had six entries um various ones the first one i'm going to play with is a bit dodgy because i think the recording went a bit dalek-y 
Um, not my fault, just how I received it. So here's the first one. PC and AD, you won't hear this. You've already heard it, but you won't hear it through the, your headphones. Okay? If that makes sense. Perfect. Um, so we had good fun listening to these, really. Um, here we go. Bumble podcast. The perfect thing to listen to is I create theory blocking process for tournaments that I'm never likely to attend while I should be doing my job. So that was um, Michael, and he sounded like a Dalek. So that was his entry. Um, and then we've got, we had a great one from um, Lorbas. So if you want to know what Lorbas sounds like, here is Lorbas. Hey boys, this is Lorbas, and I listen to the podcast while I paint goblins, because goblins are boring. <laughs> Anyways, thank you. <laughs> that was a really nice one, I was surprised that. So some of them I got, like, I forgot to set my notifications off on my phone. So I would get them in the middle of the night, which is a bit weird. Um, and then we had one from Flix, and if you remember, what you had to do was say why you like the podcast and what you like doing while you listen to it. So here is Astaflix. Hey, Fumble Podcast. This is Astaflix. Just wanted to say that I listen to the podcast while I activate in Black Box. There we go. That was Astaflix. Um, I must feel weird for you, AD and PC, because you can't actually hear what I'm doing. So um, You just have to trust me, right? Yes. <laughs> right, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. Here we go. Uh, we've got Blood Feast. Um, Blood Feast was a nice one as well. Um, very topical at the time. Hello, Blood Feast here. Um, I listen to the podcast while I watch Small Man play another game of uh, Black Box Trophy. And I can say directly that we need more episodes to follow that take care see you later bye cheers blood feast thank you very much and then we've got uh, rafe as well um so rafe went for the more amusing approach hi i listen to the podcast while i make sweet sensual beautiful love to your mum <laughs> That's a funny one. Right, and then finally, we have our winner. So, well done, Gazatrot, with this message. Hello, Throic, PC, AD. Fumble Podcast, the perfect thing to listen to as I comprehensively lose my Will League playoff game against PC, whilst he repeatedly tells me he doesn't even want to win. Cheers, lads. Keep up the good work on the show. Cheers, Gazatrop. So, um, just to remind you, PC and AD, that was Gazatrop <laughs> talking about the Will game that you'd mentioned a couple of episodes ago. Yeah, well, I I really didn't want to get promoted, but did. Um, <laughs> so sorry about that, Gazatrop. And look, that's assuming because we didn't hear the audio. I did hear them before. That's assuming that that Throek hasn't just played you six recordings of someone saying. PC and Arrested Development suck cocks, which he may have <laughs> known. But assuming he's been honest with us, then I, look, I'm really sorry if I made you feel bad, dude. I perhaps shouldn't have joined the game and said, I really hope I lose this and then go on to win it. Talking um, of, um, that's terrible of me. Talking uh, of cocks. I, I hope you take it in good humour, mate. And I really like the fact that you mentioned <laughs> that 
in your entry. So, congratulations. Does he get a prize? He does get a prize. He gets a, box oh, of, uh, gets a box of lizard men. Ooh. Gets a box of lizard men. But talking of cocks, it, it reminded me of something. So, on one of our pages, where it was Facebook or whatever else, somebody reminded me about Trevor Fiscock. <laughs> going all the way back and it made me giggle the legend yeah the legend Trevor Fiscock anyway I think that is about it so the next prize will be hopefully for a box of ogres but we'll talk about that competition next time is that um, genuinely a prize or are we going <laughs> to curse someone with I'm ogres? just going to send it to you because you will we're going to hang the so millstone of ogres around someone's neck uh, well listen that is it for tonight we are done so thank you all for listening Purple Chest, Arrested Development, thank you for joining us again. It's been a pleasure. I'm sure just as controversial as our last one. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for joining us again, AD. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, feeling dark. Good. Right. Take care, everybody, and keep rolling those dice. See ya. Have a lovely December. As always, thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed our content. If you like what we do, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and now on Instagram. And also we have a Patreon page. If you want to come and support us like that, feel free. Cheers. This podcast is sponsored by tritexgames.co.uk. 